Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. So what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles P the Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. What's going on? Welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Martin Bauman. And today, I catch up with one of hip-hop's emerging stars out of Chicago, When he was just 16 years old, Atlantic offered him a record deal for $3,500, and he said no. That was just the beginning. Later, as a teenager, he formed the group Kids These Days, which landed a performance on Conan, released their debut album Trap House Rock, got signed, and then broke up. Now, as things seemed to be falling apart, my guest took the opportunity to relaunch his solo career, appearing on a fellow Chicago MC's mixtape who you might have heard of, Chance the Rapper, and killing his verse. That would be on Cocoa Butter Kisses. He also followed up by releasing his own solo effort, Internet Tape, which if you haven't listened to, I definitely recommend. But that's right, today I'm talking to Vic Mensa. I caught up with Vic to talk about Common's influence on him, his friendly rivalry with Chance the Rapper, his many brushes with death and whether fate has kept him alive, and lots more. Take a listen. (laughs) These past 12 months have been pretty big for you in terms of getting out on the road. Uh, you were on tour with J. Cole, Danny Brown, and Disclosure. Was there anything that any of those artists said to you, any admu- any uh, advice they might have given that has stuck with you? Uh, yeah, Cole, Cole uh, was listening to the internet tape with me. I went and played it for him on his bus like right after it dropped. And uh, he commented after hearing the song Holy Holy that it was really special when... I like slowed my flow down and said exactly what I meant to say. So that would be as opposed to something like Lovely Day, which is uh, much more of a rapid pace delivery. You're simplifying things. Simplicity is key, undoubtedly. Now, uh, speaking of advice, I want to bring up a tweet of yours. And you said, utmost appreciation to that short list of teachers that changed my life in small, impactful ways. Who's on that list? Mr. Brady from uh, my third grade teacher. Um, might have been third grade, yeah, that's, that's third grade. Um, Mr. Thompson, my fifth grade teacher. Mr. Armandaris, my eighth grade teacher and now principal of the grammar school that I went to, that all three of those teachers are from. And, um, and I was really I was really thinking about Miss Leckie, my, uh, my high school, I think it was English literature teacher. Um, maybe it was Britlett, yeah, it was Britlett. My high school Brit Lit teacher. Um, man, you know she uh, she was just she was just an amazing woman. Is an amazing woman. I went to visit her not long ago, um, and she uh, she just kind of gave me confidence in my decision to not go to college and to follow my passions. In addition to just being someone that is just a, a genuinely amazing person, you know, and just. I think teachers are like the backbone of our society. Um, Although I think institutionalized education has its major issues, um, by far the people that choose to dedicate their lives to bettering the youth, you know what I'm saying, and trying to lead young people in in a positive direction, those are are amazing people because that's 
that's not only a task. It's it's like that's that's a selfless ambition. You know, that's, there's not there's not much of a of a self game past just like goodwill that you take from you know you know you're gonna start being sure to get rich. Let's get into some trivia. What can you tell me about bury me a bow? Bury me a bow. Oh man, is that what I called it? That's so crazy. I did that over the bury me a G B. Wow. Um that was that was the first solo song I ever recorded. Um yeah, I was in Dave Koresh's session, which is crazy, because I might have been with this guy named Zach Johnson. I'm in the studio with Mike Posner right now, and there's this dude that I, that knew him that was working with him when he first started, which is the only time I was in the studio with Dave Koresh. That was the first like song of my own that I recorded, just like three minutes of rapping. I just had that beat, and I wrote a long-ass rap to it, and then at the end of one of my big homie sessions, I like, I was just like, yo, let me record this. It's only going to take 10 minutes, I promise. You know what I'm saying? And just like snuck in my little... My little recording. I thought it was hot as hell, though. <laughs> is that still on the internet? Uh, no, no, I don't think it is. That's crazy. I fuck with you. Tell me about another part of your upbringing, going to the basement store in Chicago. Yeah, the basement was the shit. We used to go there and buy spray paint and vinyl records and shit. Yeah, we used to. Me and Nico used to break dance battle. We would get records from the basement. He bought some turntables with, like, his graduation money. No, it wasn't graduation because we weren't out of grammar school. So I don't know. Some turntables, I think, for his birthday is what he got them for in, like, sixth grade or seventh grade. And we would go to the basement and buy, like, Jimmy Caster Bunch and James Brown records and spend them in the basement and break dance. Okay, I'm going to spit some lyrics. You need to tell me what these mean to you. I'm about to hit you with a traditional style of cold rocking, giving options for head knocking, non-stopping, tip-top and lyrics be dropping, but styles can be forgotten, so we bring back the raw hip-hopping. Fuck, whose song is that? I know the verse. I'm about to hit you with the traditional style of cold rocking. That's KRS, Step Into a World. It uh, does sound like... I knew it was KRS, but I couldn't place the song. KRS was my first... That was the first rapper I fucked with from Step Into a World. Found it on a New York VHS tape. It was just hard, man. I was into rock and roll, and uh, I wasn't that into rap. And that shit hit, and it was just like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's just hard body. It's just that. It's just hard, man. I just fucked with that joint. Uh, moving to another artist. I know you've mentioned Tupac as one of your favorite rappers growing up. Uh, but I want to ask you about another rapper closer to home. What significance does Common's Like Water for Chocolate have to you? one of my favorite albums um my favorite comment album spent a lot of time with that album i mean like i think retrospect for life is on that album um like you know i had days when i was a kid when i just like put that cd in my boom box in my in my basement in my parents basement and just like turned all the lights out and just laid there and just like listened to that shit with my eyes closed you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. just like down to earth why don't we move on from Common's album to your own release, Internet Tape. Uh, you've described Internet Tape, and so has Peter Cottontail, as a story of transformation and evolution. How do you feel you evolved during the creation of Internet Tape? Uh, I mean, I came into my own in a lot of ways. Um, you know, just like learned a lot about myself as as a person, as a man, as a musician. Um I did a lot of things I didn't know I could do and, uh, you know, just found a lot within myself 
lyrically and just artistically and everything. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of like an open letter to myself. Now, around the same time that this is happening, uh, as you were making Internet Tape, Kids These Days was in the midst of breaking up. Uh, and on the one hand, you're getting out of this label group situation. And on the other, you're coming into your own as a solo artist. Uh, you've mentioned before that in order to succeed, you need to be selfish in a way. Uh, tell me about that. Well, I mean, I just spent too much time. I have too much. You know, I don't look back in my past substantially, but you just, I, I've said it before, the king is not a selfless man. And I want to be the king. And I think that anyone who does, if stand to stand out, then internal focus is the most important thing. And so, you know, compromise breeds mediocrity. And it hurts the people around you. But you can just be you, you know? No hose bar, bar none. Now, at the same time as this is going on, your close friend Chance the Rapper was starting to really blow up. Uh, you know, acid rap drops. And you two have a bit of a friendly rivalry when it comes to music. Uh, how has that pushed you, and how did that push you when you were making Internet Tape? Man, you know, Chance is getting a lot of dope shit. Just people fucking with him, and et cetera, et cetera. I was just like, well, you know, I could do this shit. You know what I'm saying? Chance ain't better than me. So it's like, if he can look with that person, if he can get that blog to post his shit, you know, I could get that blog to post my shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know more than anything, I fuel myself. It's, it's not so much chance got this. I gotta get it. It's just like it's me, me Vic. I'm like, I'm that nigga. I deserve this. You know what I'm saying? Not so much because anybody else has it, but just because I believe that I deserve it all. And I just that I'm like, not that I'm entitled to it, <clears throat> but that I'm capable. You know. Now, when you first thought of the internet tape idea, I read that this was during a mushroom trip, and you recorded a bunch of verses right away before actually fleshing it out over the course of a couple months. They actually weren't the verses that ended up on the tape, but I did make did, up... Did any of those verses end up on the tape, or none of them at all? No, none of them. Okay, okay, see, that's what I was very curious about, is if any of those from the initial burst of inspiration made it. That's funny. Nah. But that was the idea, yeah. Yeah, well, in those 14 songs, you managed to pack a lot of content and thought-provoking lines. And I picked out a couple that I want to ask you about. Uh, this one comes from Magic. You say, my biggest win always been when I knew they didn't believe. Tell me about this. Um, that's, that's the biggest triumph. Triumph over doubt. Doubting yourself, other people doubting you. I, I, I've never really so much been a person that, like... I'm not thirsty to say I told you so, you know, because I'm enough confirmation to myself. But, but that you know, that, 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 that's a good payback, success. And moving on to another line, this one comes from Fear and Doubt. Uh, you say, staring at an arrow point reflection of myself, questioning what is my life to become, I wonder if I'll ever be the man my mama wish I was, or will I end up victim to the hand of a gun? Now tell me about that line. Yeah. Arrow point reflection of myself is uh, it's narrow, it's uh, direct, and it's also like down the barrel of a gun. You know what I'm saying? It's like the it's, it's like staring at your reflection out of a tiny mirror inside the barrel of a gun. It's like knowing knowing you in the line of fire, which is a way you know it's, it's a way that we feel in Chicago. Not always confident about the strength of our possibility and 
and living, you know. It's like my mom, as a kid, I'm sure she envisioned her son would be 18 years old, and then he would go to college, and then he would get a good job, maybe change the world somehow through that. Um, you know, will I make it there? I've already deviated from the past. Will I end up being what it was that my mom would wish of me? Or uh, or will I die in Chicago? One of the recurring topics that sticks out to me in that tape is just how many brushes with death you've had, from you know, falling off of a bridge and getting electrocuted to surviving a car crash to even growing up in Chicago. Uh, you know, you have the tattoo still alive to prove it. Yeah. How have these things influenced your outlook? Um, life is impermanent. You know, it can be taken from you at any point in time. So it's it's a difficult principle to implement into everyday life. But but you know, I tried to to take that knowledge and um, manifest it in in action in that trying to do the most I can with what I have, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, shit doesn't last. You know, when you think about all that's happened to you, uh, falling off of a bridge, getting electrocuted and surviving, something like that, do you ever think in terms of destiny for why you're still here? Or, or what's your take on that kind of thing? Um, you know, I go back and forth between acknowledging or consciously believing in the existence of like just a singular God, you know, but um, I definitely think that whatever the gravitational pull is that's kept my feet on the ground, um, it's for a reason. I guess it's as good a time as any to segue to talking about your song, Time is Money. Uh, one of the things that you rap is, I'd like to think I'd ask the right questions if God was right before me. Like why you let babies get shot, why babies is killing, all because the system that raised me from grade school made me the villain. Now tell me about that line. Um, man, schools just just institutionalized education, man. It's it's weighed against us. When I say us, I mean you know minorities and and any inner city minorities, and you know what I'm saying. Black kids, Mexican kids, growing up in Chicago. Just because it's like, you know, I've witnessed it, you know what I'm saying, in myself and in the people around me, and just being in public schools, good public schools at that. It's just that um, if you're raised to believe that you're a bad kid, you know what I'm saying, it's very possible that you will grow in to believe that within yourself. You internalize that. Um, and... We all know the black kids get suspended at an astronomically higher rate than kids of any other race. So it's like from third grade or as early as I can remember, little black kids getting suspended from school. And uh, it's, it's basically it's, it's an introductory level of the prison prison system in ways, you know? Yeah. Because... It's kind of like it, it, it's training kids to believe that they're the villain. That's what I meant by that line is that, you know, through school, I remember the first time, first time I was like, came in contact 
with the police, negatively with police within school. I was a sixth grader, you know, an 11-year-old kid. I had a marker, and I wrote on on a trash can in the alley by my school. And I got caught, and I got, like, I thought I got arrested because I got caught by a, by a teacher, a school teacher who saw me, and then they took me to the, like, the library or something, and they had the school police officer come and, like, write me up. You know what I'm saying? I was like, and and that that's just the beginning of making a kid think they're a criminal. You understand? So it's it's, it's a system that, like, it perpetuates uh, belief that black kids are bad. You know, thinking about what we were talking about earlier, when you were talking about some of the positive teachers you've had, uh, to grow up in a system like that, it has to make the good teachers stand out that much more. Right. Right. Yeah, because that, that, that's for us. Moving on to another song. On Orange Soda, you ask, why is it what seems important seems always to be misleading? Tell me about that line. Seems important to be misleading. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm scatterbrained a lot of the time and focused on different things and it's easy to trick yourself into thinking the little things or the seemingly big things are what's truly important. You know what I'm saying? I think mm-hmm. sometimes I have trouble like placing importance in the right places because <laughs> it's not always easy, you know? I think that sometimes the things that seem like the biggest deal in the grand scheme of things, don't matter, you know. So it's, it's like something you have to step back from a lot of time, just in life, you know. Yeah, in retrospect, you realize certain things aren't as important as you once thought. You know what I mean? But hindsight is twenty twenty. So yeah, it's just the shit you go through. I mean, a lot, a lot of my raps and just like shit I say in music is it's just my feelings about being a human being, you know, just being alive and going through life and doing the same type of shit or a different type of shit than everybody else does. It's like, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily write things for a reason. I just write them because I think them. So same way that you have a thought, a thought uh, that she seems so important to you, (laughs) then a week may pass and that, that feeling is that, bird has flown. You mentioned that the things that you write from your perspective uh, may be from doing things differently than everybody else. Uh, do you feel as though you're an outcast in the music industry in some ways? No. I feel as if I'm an individual, but not so much an outcast. Outlier, but not a liar. What's the status quo that you're an outlier to then? In modern music, in hip-hop, it's generic and untruthful. It's 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 built off of fictional stories that are perceived by a lot of people as reality. You know, t- storytelling is is classically one of the most powerful devices a writer has yeah. at their disposal. But there's a line between being a storyteller just being a liar. Right. I can't tell you exactly what that line is, but I, I stand on one side of it. A lot of people stand on another side of it. And it, it's not it's not only about, you know, like, truth and depth and dexterity to music 
it's also just about ingenuity and inventiveness. You know, I think that a lot of people, a lot of people just copy formulas, copy shit all the time. But what makes it different is that I copy different things and I combine them to make new things. Whereas a lot of people just copy what's on the radio or what's on the blog or, you know, what's, what's currently out with somebody else, a contemporary of theirs or is doing, you know, and that's, that's not creative music in 2014 in the mainstream for the most part. You know, it reminds me of what you say on Hollywood LA, which is, uh, people are sheep to the radio. I really appreciate you knowing all this about my music, man. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> well, hey, you know, uh, at the Come Up Show, we really looked highly upon it in that tape and included it in our year-round list of the best free releases of 2013. So I've definitely spent a lot of time with it. Love. It's awesome, man. Uh, going on to another song on YNSP, you say, Wonder how I stay afloat when the pressure on my name could probably make a levee sink. What's that pressure like right now? Um, It's not that bad. I mean, it's not the worst, you know? I uh I got a lot of dope shit in my pocket, up my sleeve. Um I'm not mad at life. I enjoy it. Making music and, and living. You know, and uh you just have to keep a calm here, just gotta keep a cool mentality. Recognize my power, recognize the power within yourself. <laughs> Sound like a philosopher. I'm <laughs> philosophizing for these bitches the other day. It's funny. Um but yeah, you know, it ain't the worst. Some sometimes it's a lot just to to wake up and like it just makes me want to go back to sleep, you know. It's like I'm be like, oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta talk to this person, I gotta talk to that person, I have to handle this, I have to handle that. But the point at which the point at which you don't run from that and you embrace it and you look forward to to taking care of business. That's when you become a boss. And I'm sure that as much as people aggrandize themselves and act like they never worry about shit, they nervous about anything, it's all a lie, you know. But um, king among men don't show too much. Speaking of the business side of things uh, and being in the position you're at right now and, and looking at the success of independent artists lately, somebody like Macklemore and the Grammys that he's won, is there even a point in signing a major label deal anymore? The bottom line of, of business and relationships is is trust and benefit. So there are benefits to be taken from signing a major label record deal. And uh, the, the point at which that is combined with real trust and, and balance is heavier than what you can do on your own, you know? It makes sense, but uh, different people and different things grow at different rates. It's just about being able to be you and having people that want you to be you, you know? And they want, uh, that's what they want from you is, that's why they want you is because you're you, not because they want to make you something else. I want to ask you about another tweet of yours. Uh, Having fans and being famous is fool's gold. Do it for yourself. It's so much more fulfilling. Can you elaborate on that? I remember writing that. Um, people idolize these golden statues on social media and blind themselves 
from refracted light. <laughs> For real, though. You know, it's like you, you think you're looking at one thing, but, but you're really just, like, kind of seeing a reflection of something else. And um, it's just not... It's not everything that, not everything people think it is, and I'm I can't say you know what it feels like to be Kanye West or some shit, to be like mega world famous. You know I, I can't tell you that, but but just all, all that shit is fickle, man. All that shit is here today, gone tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like if somebody like Kanye West or any great artist is driven by themselves, and not just an artist, any great person, you know, athletes, Michael Jordan did win basketball games because he wanted to impress fans or because he wanted to sell sneakers. The nigga won basketball games because he's a fucking winner. <laughs> well, Jordan especially was driven by sheer competitiveness. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what we are like as artists, you know what I'm saying? And not just, but the thing about, the thing about competitiveness on a level like Jordan's is that it's not just competitiveness of beating another person. It's what I was talking about on the phone with you yesterday, where I feel like I should have these things, not because somebody else has them or I'm outdo somebody else or trying to match up to somebody else. It's because cause I believe in myself. I feel I believe that I should have it. I, I need to beat the loser in me, you know? So you have the confidence in yourself. Uh, you're aware of what you have up your sleeve is the greatest challenge right now just waiting for people to become aware of the things you're doing? Nah, I mean, shit, my greatest challenge is just fucking staying alive every day um, and, and having a better day than the one before. All right, I want to ask you about two collaborations before we wrap things up. Uh, when I was speaking with Mac Miller back in November, he was telling me that he was going to have you over to his place to record. Now, uh, has that happened yet, and how did it go? I'm still trying to catch up with Mac. I've been in L.A. for a little while, but I think he's been in Pittsburgh. Uh, We're definitely going to connect, though. I have to ask about a Canadian connection as well. Uh, Is there anything in the works with Kay Trinata? Hell yeah, me and Kay got his, boy. Hey, Kay Trinata, nigga, man, that's one of my favorite producers in the game. We got some hits off my new shit. So we're talking multiple songs here, not just one song. Yeah, multiple. All right, Vic, final question for you. What do you want your legacy to be? Still writing that. I got a couple lines down, but the book's gonna be way longer. It's hard to say. I want it to be something that I can't say what I what what it will be or necessarily what I want it to be, but um, I could describe it. You know, I, I want it to be to to be one of broken ground. You know, earthquakes. I just want to have left a significant crater in history um in a positive way but in a in a real way you know in my way um i think that you know every person i won't say every person because there are a lot of stupid people in the world but um so many people um have so many things to say so many thoughts few can vocalize them I've tried hard enough for a while that I've learned how to express my thoughts pretty well in a cool way that shocks me sometimes and mesmerizes other people. And, uh, 
so my legacy is just going to be a reflection of saying what the fuck is on everybody's mind. If if I if I've been able to do that, if I've been able to like carry carry a meaningful overarching message that's bigger than me, then I've been successful. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Vic Mensa, you can go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got all his latest music and videos, plus lots more. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating or a comment. Same goes if you're listening on SoundCloud. We appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Come Up Show. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 